corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is for his namesake. Hello, hello. Welcome back to For His Namesake. Thanks for listening. And uh, just very um, blessed to to have uh, new listeners. And as the podcast is growing little by little, and uh, I'm going to keep doing my best to truck along and to try and do an episode as often as I possibly can. And uh, in that spirit, I've decided to go ahead and record another one today. And uh, we're just going to keep hitting different topics and um, Hopefully, once again, I just pray that they're a benefit and a blessing to you and that you would uh, please just keep passing them along to people you think could be blessed by them and learn something from the Word of God, as of course is most important. And uh, if you find these podcasts valuable, please uh, share them on your Facebook and share them uh, anywhere um, you possibly can. I just, I I greatly appreciate all who are listening and uh, I praise God for every one of you. And uh, so uh, with that said, and... uh, the idea in mind here, um, we're going to go ahead and speak on discernment, um, speak about discernment rather. Uh, and with discernment, it's an interesting topic. Uh, it's one that I find the church seems to be lacking in the most, ironically enough. Uh, and it is just, uh, it's, uh, it's getting worse and worse. And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think sometimes a lot of things can be blamed on, you know, being naive. Um, some people are just young in the Lord um, and so they don't understand certain things, certain topics, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think we've kind of gotten to the point where, you, in some circles, it's almost like people are proud to be ignorant. Uh, people are almost what they would call in Europe a yarbo, which is basically they're dumb and proud of it. And, um, you know, that's not to be said in the church. We are to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Our mind is in there as well. We're Christians, as Frank Turk would say, do not get brownie points for being stupid. Um, it doesn't mean that we need to over-intellectualize, we need to overthink things either. Uh, that can get us in just as much trouble. Of course, we need balance and doctrine in life, and we indefinitely need, <clears throat> most of all, most importantly, discernment. And this is key to growth in the Lord. This is key to understanding not only what's going on around us, but what is going on in just simply reading the word and rightly dividing it. We need discernment. Um, and we need to exercise that discernment on a regular basis mm-hmm. and so that we can grow in our, um, not only our, uh, faith in the Lord, but also growing and trusting God and, and believing his word above our emotions and, and a number of other things <clears throat> and believing what the word of God says is true. As the word says, let God be true and every man a liar. Um, and that's going to be what we're going to sort of hit on today uh, in as far as how discernment works. And there's a couple different aspects of discernment, uh, different subjects of discernment, uh, if you will. Uh, and, and we're going to kind of outline these. There's, um, oh, what do you call it? It's uh, discernment in as far as concerning conversational discernment, right? So when you're talking to somebody and you really feel like the Lord may be leading you to to give them the gospel. How do you go about that? How should you do that? Well, there is such thing uh, called as uh, called uh, conversational apologetics. 
and conversational apologetics are basically just the jujitsu of having a casual conversation and bringing the Lord into it because he's already there anyway, right? But there's a right and a wrong way to do that. And that, of course, takes discernment. If you're talking to somebody and, you know, you're just completely uh, off in a subject to which you cannot parlay into conversational apologetics, it might take time and it may not be that specific conversation to which you can use that um, and, and bring that in. And the way that we discern this is a couple different ways. Uh, plenty of scripture on this that gives us um, a lot of, of understanding as far as the way that uh, we can use this to glorify God and to uh, discern the kind of person whom we're speaking with, right? And Matthew 7, 6 tells us, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. So this is what happens when you're talking to somebody and you just do a complete U-turn on them and you bring Jesus into, say, the middle of talking about baseball or football or some other, you know, worldly thing or whatever the case may be. And you just say, so, you know, Jesus. And there's some people that just have no conversational tact. They don't know how to to be sincere, right, and and uh, do it in such a way that has tact and has discernment. And so one of the ways we can discern this is when you're talking to somebody, listen as much as you talk, for one, and pray as you talk or pray as you listen, and the Lord will open the door in that conversation. He is always faithful to do this. He will tell you when to step in and start bringing him into the conversation. God, I've seen literally been talking to somebody in the middle of a conversation while I'm praying and listening to them and seeing the Lord, you know, totally switch the conversation into a subject I would have never thought possible simply because he's faithful to do that. <clears throat> and because I was praying, God used it as an opportunity for me to give them the gospel. And they were prepared at that point to hear it as well with a softened heart towards me. So another thing is we want to be aware of who's around us when we're speaking. You want to have situational awareness. So do not speak in the hearing. Proverbs 23, 9 says, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. So this is, once again, conversational and situational awareness. When you're speaking, say you got a boss who's a straight-up atheist, and he's probably going to fire you for talking about Jesus, then you should probably maybe wait to have that conversation a little bit later. doesn't mean you need to be a coward uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, um, <laughs> it, it, it just I hope you have opportunity to get another job pretty quickly, especially if you're a family man. It's okay to to not hide who you are in Christ, but at the same time, um, it takes discernment to know when to speak. And once again, unfortunately, this is just one of the situations with the world that we live in that the Bible tells us very clearly, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for you will despise the wisdom of your words. And so to do so, you're not going to get anything out of that. It's not going to uh, um, amount to pushing the gospel in any good direction. So why waste our time when we know someone in the room who's simply just going to scoff us? Which moves on to the next one, Proverbs 19.25. Strike a scoffer, and the simple will become wary. Rebuke one who has understanding, and he will discern knowledge. So once again, it gives us uh, the komer havi, as it would say in Hebrew, right? The light to heavy, or the dark to light, and meaning a negative and a positive. And strike a scoffer, and the simple will become weary. But rebuke one who has understanding, and he will discern knowledge. So it tells us who we're speaking to decides on how we speak to them. If you're speaking to somebody 
right, who is understanding and they're picking up what you're laying down, then continue to speak to them about the gospel. Bring in the Lord Jesus into that conversation and God's going to bless it. But if you're speaking to someone who's a scoffer, don't waste your time. All they want to do is mock you and, and make fun of you, then move on. Pray for them and move on. It's a waste of time. And that just takes discernment. And God will bless you with that. It's my, my daily prayer, my morning prayers, that the Lord would bless me, edify with me through the power of the Holy Spirit, enlighten the eyes of my heart with the spirit of revelation, and help me to hear his voice clearly and discerningly. Silence every voice but his. And so the Lord will use that, usually during my daily talks with people, to minister to people. And I meet them right where they're at, just so that I can you know, minister to them in such a way as to bring Jesus into it. Now, um, this is another great one. And this is the one that I used at the beginning of the podcast there, the quote at the beginning. And it is, he who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. So in other words, you're going to get back what you put into that situation. Okay, so if someone's scoffing you and you're going to actually attempt to cast the pearls before swine, well, it becomes shame for himself. It becomes shame on you, essentially, because you're attempting something that's just really God already warned you not to do. And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. So if you're going to go up to a wicked guy and you're going to call him out and you're going to tell him, look, etc., you need to repent, give your life to Christ and so forth, um, he's not going to hear you. All it's going to do is harm you. At the end, he's going to turn and probably like Proverbs already told us, he's probably going to strike you. He's literally possibly even going to hit you. It says, do not correct a scoffer. That's a direct correlation. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hates you. So you can't correct a scoffer. Wasting your time in Facebook comments and wasting your time in the streets telling scoffers where to get off and all this, that, and the other and, and, and uh, rebuking them in public and everything else, it amounts to nothing according to the word of God. Now, on the other hand, if you spend your time and you rebuke a wise man, what's going to happen? He's going to love you. Rebuking a wise man is the smartest thing you can do. Once again, it takes tact and discernment to know who you're talking to, but it doesn't take a whole lot of investigation to know right off the bat whether this person's open to the gospel or not. It says, and he will love you. So in other words, this guy, you know who you're working with in a direct correlation as to the way to which they respond to the conversation you're having with them. If it's a wise man, then he's going to love you for, for rebuking him, for telling the truth, right? Okay, because wise men love the truth. So on the other hand, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. In other words, he's going to take on board what you're telling him, and he's going to become even wiser. Uh, teach a just man, right? A, ma a man who's interested in justice, and he will increase in learning. Why? Because he's interested in these things. His heart is already in the right place to receive it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the fear of the Lord. It says in another, uh, I think it's in Psalms or Proverbs, also says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and to hate evil. So we're also to hate evil. That's another level of discernment, right? Is that we hate evil. We want nothing to do with evil. So therefore, once you begin to black and white these things, monochromatic, if you will, then discernment becomes more and more natural to us. So as a quick side point here, uh, when I first came to know the Lord, um, and I opened up the Bible with new eyes and a new heart, um, when I was absolutely baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, um, I immediately went to Proverbs. I just, I've always been drawn to Proverbs since I was a kid. And I just love that they're so quaint, short little sayings, you know, um, that, that just really get to the point of things. And you have to understand, I spent most of my life as a relativist, believing uh, everybody has their own truth, right? And so Proverbs made it really easy for me to cut and dry, to 
cut it right down the middle. This is good. This is bad. This is good. This is bad. And for someone who was ethically inept for so long, I really needed that training. I really needed that new discernment, that wisdom that, that comes, of course, with practice and with time. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. Discernment is a lifelong endeavor. But if you're faithful to stay in the word of God, the Lord will bless you with discernment and wisdom over time. He will bless you with this. This is a promise that he will give you if you walk in the fear of the Lord discernment. It's an absolute inevitability. God will bless you in this in this regard. Now, here's something that's interesting as well. It says, though we are not to judge and condemn, we're surely to be wise and discerning so that we just don't take the holy things of God and expose them to blasphemy. And for that, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. He will put a check in our hearts. And when he does, we need to obey and just say no more. As I pointed out, as I pointed out, sometimes Jesus had absolutely nothing to say, but when others, he shared the beautiful grace, love, and mercy of God. We too need to discern with whom we share the pearls of God. This is absolutely true, right? So God's promise, one of God's promises concerning this is in Malachi 3.18, says, Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So this is when we're speaking with, uh, with either a lapsed Christian, uh, somebody who's walked away from the faith and they're just holding on to a little Christian Christianese or Christian lingo and they're just basically trying to associate themselves with other Christians but they've either walked away from the faith or were never saved to begin with. And so these are like a lot of Roman Catholics who aren't even practicing a lot of times will do this. Yeah, granted, Roman Catholics aren't saved, of course. They need Jesus. That's full tilt boogie. That's absolutely the way it is. It's the word of God makes it very clear that it's either him or idolatry. There's no in between, right? There's only one way to heaven through Jesus Christ, not through Mary, not through um, necromancy, through the worship of dead saints or any of that kind of garbage, uh, nor through paganism for that matter, which is basically all that Roman Catholicism essentially amounts to. And so once again, this takes simple discernment for anybody who understands the simplicity of the word of God that makes it very clear. Uh, that you're to call no man father. Sorry, that means you too. They're, um, those who would call themselves fathers as priests and so forth. So, I mean, just so many commonsensical things. But the point being is, if you want discernment um, to, to judge between the righteous and the wicked, you've got to know the word of God. You've got to know the word of God. And you will see clearly and discern those who are truly in the spirit, those who truly belong to God, and those who aren't. Those who, who really just don't, even want anything to do with God, but they want all the benefits. It's like those who showed up to hang out when Jesus was giving away food or when he was healing, right? But as soon as the party was over, they all left. They got what they wanted. They came for the food. They came for the party. And a little bit of the magic show Jesus was putting on, and they moved on. They never even thought twice about it, just like Jesus in the parable says, where he talks about those in whom he had healed. And only, what was it, one or two of them had, come, had came back to thank him. Right out of like five people, out of five or ten people, like two came back to thank him for it, and that was it. You know, and this is what it means by discernment concerning uh, the scripture there in Malachi 3.18. You'll be able to discern those who were there for the party, there's those who were very, there for the potluck, and then, you know, or there for the sociability of the whole thing, and those who were not. And God will give you discernment concerning these things. Even Paul himself said he was in danger, dangers of false brethren, that there are those who were among us who are not brethren. So it takes discernment. When you go to church, sometimes you'll meet people who, quite honestly, are there because they've got nothing better to do. And that's fine. Where, where else would you want them to, to, to be found but a church? 
right? But pray for him. The Lord will give you discernment concerning these kinds of things. It doesn't mean that we, we should be heresy hunters or, or um, headhunters, as it were, concerning those who may or may not belong to the Lord. Of course not. The Lord says, don't judge anything before the time. That's not our place, right? And definitely don't judge by appearance. That's John 7 as well. tells us not to judge by appearances. So if they're all tattooed up and a number of other things, we need discernment in this as well. John 7 gives discernment. It says don't judge by appearances. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, I believe it is. Or 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel 16 says uh, not that uh, in, in context concerning King David when um, Samuel had gone to look for uh, the new king, who was going to be the new king of Israel. He needed discernment, but he, even his discernment was whack. Because he was judging by appearances. And the Lord says that he doesn't judge by appearances, right? No, by no means. He wasn't there to judge uh, uh, by appearance, but rather he knew it was in a man. He knew David's heart was right before him. And so therefore it was David, even though he was the youngest and smallest among them. So we don't judge by appearance. If God doesn't judge by appearance, what gives us the right? You understand? Uh, including the rich and the poor. That uh, the poor among us are, are actually to be held, or held in higher esteem. God greatly cares for the poor. So don't judge the poor just because they're poor. You have no idea what they've been through and why they're at where they're at. But rather discernment, right, to pray for them and to help them if we can. Right? That, that we have no idea where, why they ended up uh, exactly where they are, but God knows. And the Lord says if you turn your back on them, he'll turn his back on you. That's how much God cares for the poor. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So we need to be in the word. And when we understand the words, clear, cut, dry, monochromatic, straight to the point, we can begin to obey and discern him much easier. And that's how we grow in wisdom by obedience, right? As James tells us, right? James 1 through 2 makes it very clear that, that your faith is dead unless it has works. Now, of course, those works are done in faith, right? And our motives are pure. To, uh, it says if you do all things unto the Lord, he will prosper you, he will bless you, right? And that's the kind of blessing we want, is to see God move, is to see God use us as his instruments of righteousness, that uh, we are to be like his scalpel, right? Cutting to the heart of the wicked generation to which we belong to and live in, so that we can once again uh, be as the salt and light among those who are around us, so that they won't um, find it so easy to live without a conscience among us so that we are the conscience of the society to which we live in. And we need to begin to do this again, brothers and sisters, by exercising discernment, by using wisdom, by glorifying God in thought, word, and deed. And this begins with prayer. This is the second part. So how do we get discernment? Prayer. You cannot have discernment apart from prayer. It doesn't exist. Absolutely doesn't exist. If you want to have discernment, you have got to be in prayer every single day. The word tells us very, very clearly to be in prayer all the time. All the time. If you want discernment, first thing you got to do, hit your knees. If you can't do that, at least be praying in your heart, right? Bow your heart before the Lord. And he absolutely hears you. Right? I mean, as long as, of course, your heart's right before him. Of course, if you are in, this comes with discernment too, if you're in fights with your wife, guess what? God doesn't hear you. You need to make up with your wife. You need to go before, if you've got issues with your brother in Christ, especially, you need to go uh, make up with your brother so that the Lord will once again hear you. You need to, to once again, this is discernment, you need to, to make sure your heart's right before the Lord altogether. 
then discernment in and of itself once again becomes easier and easier. But your prayer life, first and foremost, has got to be on point. It's got to be on game. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spirits, principalities, things in the higher. Ephesians 6. So you have to remember there's spiritual warfare going on that is also going to try and keep you from discerning things. There is an actual very real warfare going on that does not want you to know what's going on around you. Well, how do I know that? Little something called discerning the spirits. That's right. You know, it is a spiritual gift. Discernment of the spirits is is uh, basically a way to understand uh, people among us in whom um, we we may not know completely uh, what's going on um, necessarily, but uh, the Lord does. The Holy Spirit does, right? And the thing of it is, with the discerning of spirits, it's it's a spiritual gift in one sense, but it's also something we all have when it comes down to the, the bottom line. Um, if you have the Holy Spirit, you should be able to discern when there's other spirits in operation around you. Um, when there's a whole, when, when, when there's another spirit operating through somebody, um, you know, the basics of it is this. If you're talking to somebody, and this comes down to the spiritual warfare side of things in one sense, but quite honestly, it also comes down to just simply being a Christian. Um, and one of the things about this is, that's very clear and simple to understand, is when somebody else brings another doctrine. Paul makes it very clear. If somebody brings to you another doctrine, the doctrine we did not preach to you, let that man be anathema. Let him be accursed. Okay, Paul makes it very clear. If even an angel from heaven brings another doctrine to you, that which he did not teach, therefore, guess what? Let them be accursed. Now, how do we know that? Well, let's see. Isn't it interesting, so interesting, almost like a word of knowledge to which Paul was making it very clear this would be a tactic of Satan in years to come. So how do we know that? Muslims, where did Muhammad get the majority of his so-called uh, lessons and teachings in the Quran and, and, and the Hadith and the, and the other stuff? Oh, that's right. He got it from an angel, didn't he? Look it up for yourself. Yep. Interesting, right? Not an accident. Where did Joseph Smith... Oh, that's right, the Archangel Moroni, supposed uh, Archangel Moroni. Of course, we know it was a fallen angel and a demon that gave him his doctrine. Hmm, interesting that Paul said, if even an angel, right? And this goes on for Jehovah's Witnesses and a number of other cults, including Seventh-day Adventist as well. If you read in deeper into Ellen G. White's writings, she'll go on to tell you about this. Uh, I highly recommend a book called uh, The White Lie, a uh, very good book, and he'll go on to explain this as well. So you can indefinitely find this very clearly, um, uh, discernment once again when you simply understand scripture from what other men are teaching doctrines of men, doctrines of demons and we know that in the last days that there's going to be doctrines of demons and that we have got to be on our game to discern what those doctrines of demons are by discerning the spirits to which are operating through these people which are well, demons quite honestly, demonic influence in them and so we need to be able to see that for what it is and call it out for what it is and don't put up with it for a minute Bring scripture to bear. First Corinthians, right, makes it, or excuse me, Second Corinthians 10 makes it very clear that we are to what? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ and cast down every thought that avails itself against the knowledge of God. That there are to be no argument to which can prevail against us. The word promises that he will give you a mouth that the enemy shall have no gainsay over. So we know that this is possible, that the Lord will continue to back us up in this if we are faithful to believe his word over our emotions, to believe his word over even the most heartfelt sincerity of the person whom we're speaking with. Because people can be sincere, but they can also be sincerely wrong. So, I don't care how sincere somebody is, if they are not going with what the Word of God says, 
uh, than pray tell uh, saints, they're wrong. It is really that simple. That's the beginning of discernment. And so therefore, if you want to see these things for what they are and bring all things, as Ephesians 5 says, to bring all things into the light that which are done in the darkness, because they're going to be brought into the light eventually anyway. That's what's going to happen um, <clears throat> on the day of judgment. And so the point being is here, folks, that goes on just once again, back to the point there, full circle. That's spiritual warfare 101, discerning the spirits, understanding that the times that we live in, a lot of demonic influence going on, folks. Uh, another aspect of discernment and a lot of the major aspects of discernment is this too. What should you watch on TV? What should get into the eye gate? If, if, if that which is in you is darkness, how dark is it? How much darkness are you letting in? You think that stuff doesn't affect you? It does. It absolutely does. It affects me. It affects you. Christian, not Christian, it affects us. The difference is we have the Holy Spirit to put those things in check. But how much are we quenching the Spirit? We're not allowing God to convict us, so we need to turn that crap off. That it's absolutely garbage. This isn't me being a prude. This is me being commonsensical. This is sanctified common sense. Take it where you can get it. And I can tell you right now, this isn't me being old-fashioned either. This is straight-up discernment. Okay, if you're watching stuff that you darn well know you shouldn't be watching that has sexually explicit stuff in it, turn it off. If you're watching stuff that has witchcraft in it, that has sorcery in it, that is glorifying drugs, that is glorifying wizardry, that is glorifying um, <clears throat> sorcery, and that includes, by the way, uh, pretty much anything that DC and Marvel puts out at this point, or Disney puts out at this point, has been playing this game for a long time. Uh, I, I uh, highly recommend to you to look up Joe Schimmel and Good Fight Ministries and look up uh, his DVDs or books, or even, uh, I believe you can even find them on YouTube for free, at least some of this stuff, concerning everything from rock and roll to um, movies. Uh, he has a great talk where he talks about the, uh, what demonic influence movies take in, and they do, and we're seeing more and more of that now. <clears throat> like I said, you've got to be absolutely, I'm sorry to put it this way, you've got to be an absolute moron uh, to not see that the demonic influence that's been going on in movies for years. Look at all the child pornography coming out now. Look at all the sexual stuff that's coming out now from from the pedophilia to Epstein's Island and to all these actors that are getting busted. These people are absolutely demonic, folks. Just call it for what it is. They're demonic. Demonoi, Shadim, whatever language you want to call it in Hebrew, Greek, it is the same thing. It is absolutely demonic and, and they are of their father and their father is the father of lies. He's a murderer from the beginning, so they're continuing his work. You understand? And what are they murdering? The souls of the innocent, those who will listen to them and take on uh, the, the stuff to which they are getting past what C.S. Lewis would have called the watchful dragons, those, those, those inner garrisons that are looking after our heart. They get past that through entertainment. They get past that through undiscerning Christians and undiscerning people. Okay? We don't have an excuse to, to not say that we know these things are wrong. We will be held account accountable for what we know, okay? And if we lead our little children, right, uh, right to the gates of hell and allow them to be disturbed by these things and influenced by these things, we might as well put a millstone around our own necks. Jesus doesn't play games when it comes to children, folks. He does not mess around. 
This is, once again, should be common sense discernment at this point. You need to look after your children and quit allowing this garbage to come into your house. Don't complain years later when your child starts practicing witchcraft or gets into Satanism or gets into all the stuff that I grew up around myself, by the way. So I am very well educated to talk about this. I came out of Satanism and witchcraft, and I have a family that's three generations deep in it, unfortunately, whom I'm still praying for. And a mother who unfortunately passed away, who very well could have still been involved in that. And so it absolutely breaks my heart. And it's a subject that is near and dear to my heart because I don't pull any punches because I don't want to lose another person in my family or who is close to me without warning them day and night that what they are practicing is absolutely in league with Satan. Full stop, period, uh, 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 exclamation point, okay? And so I don't say this from any place of self-righteousness or... or uh, um, mm, shall we say, uh, self-piety or, or, or anything to this effect. I'm saying this because I love you. And this is another thing about discernment. It loves the person it's speaking to. Discernment and humility go hand in hand, glove in hand, okay? Uh, humility is just confidence properly placed, as I've said before on the last podcast. So when you're trusting what the Word of God says above your emotions and what people think, no matter, once again, how sincere they may believe it, then you are in good company because the Holy Spirit can operate through you when you're by faith trusting that the Word of God is true and that anything else, I don't care how nice it sounds, how good it seems, how innocent it seems, is absolutely either for God or against Him. That simple, folks. Want to draw the line? Discernment is very simple. Jesus says you're for me or you're against me. If that thing is against Jesus, if it is not for His Word, if it is not in in uh, league, if you will, for lack of a better word, with the Word of God, the Logos, right? Uh, <clears throat> who is the Logos? Who is Jesus Christ himself, obviously, right? As he says, it was the Word made flesh who dwelt amongst us. And so therefore, he's the living, breathing Word of God. And so therefore, <clears throat> anything that speaks against his Word is automatically, by default, not of God. By default, not of God. Discernment, 101, okay? Either it's for God or against God. You don't need much more to figure that one out. That should be, at this point, pretty pretty commonsensical. And so, uh, moving on to the next subject, another one that I don't think a lot of us considers, including myself, that I need to be a little bit better about, is, is discernment about my own walk. How am I doing walking with the Lord? You don't want to be self-deceived. This is why we need to honestly reflect on where we're at with our walk with the Lord. What are areas and blind spots we have? Well, one of the things, folks, that discernment always calls for is good company of wise people, right? Bad company corrupts good character, right? Well, good company also reflects good character. And so when we are walking with the Lord and we are in good company with other solid brothers and sisters in Christ on a regular basis because we surround ourselves with wise people, they will love us enough to tell us the truth as that proverb that we read earlier, right? That the wise love to hear the truth. And so that we will not be in self-deception. And so the way that we do this is by running ourselves through the word. Okay, Lord, I feel like I'm struggling in this area. What does your word say about it? Lord, I feel like I need help in this area. What does your word say about it? And once again, being in prayer and being in reflection uh, and, and asking the Lord to make sure that we're in humility and to make sure that we're walking close with him and, and discerning his voice and, and not allowing things 
allowing ourselves to get away with things we wouldn't let other people get away with. Remember, that's what the hypocrites did. That's what the Pharisees did and the Sadducees did. They always thought of others as lower than themselves. We don't want to walk in self-righteousness. We remember there's only one reason we are saved, and it is not of good works. Therefore, guess what, homeboy? You ain't got nothing to boast in. We got nothing to boast in. The works we do is because we're Holy Spirit-filled, blood-bought believers with proper motives that we want to glorify God because why? We love Him. Because we're sold-out, blood-bought believers in love with Jesus Christ. Agape, that we want to be selfless, that we want everything we do to reflect Jesus Christ. And and I know that sounds almost hyperbolic. It sounds like I'm putting on, <clears throat> putting it on a lot. But please understand, I really mean that in all sincerity, folks. The end is nigh, man. The end is near, folks. Matthew 24, we're right in the middle of it. Jesus could come back any day. If you're a preacher, a believer, and you're sitting on the fence, or you're being lazy right now, waiting for your, waiting for your convoy to show up, waiting for Jesus to show up and just take you home, I would really make sure that you sit down and reflect whether or not you know Jesus. He said he's coming back for a spotless and blameless bride. Um, now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean we're faultless. We all fall short. We're going to have faults. It doesn't mean I'm talking about spiritual perfectionism or uh, perf perfect holiness or anything like that necessarily. Although we are to be holy as he is holy, of course, which means, of course, to be separate. We should always be separating ourselves, separating our thoughts, separating our words, and separating our deeds from this world and doing them unto the Lord that he might be glorified. That's where we want to be, folks. Daily, that's where we want to be. That's where we want our hearts to be in reflection of Jesus Christ, walking in holiness. And the only way to do that is to avoid self-deception. And so, folks, the whole big, big picture here is if you believe Christ is coming back, you should be living harder for the Lord than you have ever lived for him. I'm talking Jesus movement status, people. I'm talking like 1970s Jesus movement. We want to be reflecting him. What was Jesus doing when he was here? Busy about his father's business at all times. We want to be busy about our father's business. We want to be looking for people to give the gospel to. We want to be out on street corners, teaching and preaching. We want to be out passing tracks. Yeah, by the way, look up Living Waters. You can get free tracks from Living Waters. No problem. I got tracks I'll send to you. You want some tracks? I'll send you some tracks. I got plenty of tracks to hand out. I can send some to you. Uh, if you need them, by all means, go to uh, the Facebook <clears throat> for uh, for his namesake, look it up and, and hit me up via messenger or Christopher Wright in, in messenger and I'll gladly send you some tracks. I'll send you what I can. Um, and, and anyway, the point is here, folks, that we should be busy about our father's business. We have no excuse at this point. You know, like uh, Mark Cahill always says, great evangelist, he says, there's only one thing you can't do in heaven. And what's that? You can't pass out tracks. Everybody there knows Jesus. And you know what else you can't do? You can't go back and get the people you left behind. That's it. You had your chance. So you just better hope that they come to the Lord. But they may not. Now granted, that's not completely up to us, of course, right? That's up to them. They have to um, respond to God's grace by faith. Ephesians 2, right? But at the end of the day, were, were we faithful? Were we faithful? Were we discerning enough to know that those people needed the gospel and God put them in our way for a reason? So that's why discernment's important, folks. One of the many reasons it's important for spiritual warfare, it's important to know who we're dealing with, to to uh, avoid self-deception, and also, of course, to be, um, be on guard. It's a defensive thing as well. 
that we want to be in an in, in offensive posture most of the time. We don't want to be defensive, right? Because defensive says that we're not trusting God. If we're defensive, it means that we need to be all the time on guard. Now, here's the thing. We don't want to be on guard. We want to be on the offense. In other words, if people come to us, we want to ask them questions. <clears throat> First of all, as a child of God, as a believer in the inerrancy of the Word of God, we have everything we need for life and godliness, is what the Word tells us very clearly. And if that's true, we have nothing to worry about. So to be defensive in itself is already a wrong posture. But to be offensive, why? When somebody comes to me and they tell me, they make all these moral claims and they say, well, you're wrong for this, that, and the other. What are you going to ask them? Okay, according to what absolute standard of morality are you appealing to? See, folks, you have the absolute. Who's the absolute? God is the absolute. What does the unbeliever not have? The absolute, because they're relativist. They have nothing to appeal to to make their own case. They're cutting off the very branch that they're sitting on. It's like they're sitting in God's lap and slapping him in the face, as Frank Turk would put it, right? So, in other words... <clears throat> to be discerning, we don't allow the enemy to have gainsay over us. We ask them, where are you getting these absolutes that you're appealing to from a moral perspective? That's one aspect of it. Another one, to put them on their heels. They claim to be atheists. Okay, that's interesting. Well, God doesn't believe in atheists. How do I know that? Well, let me ask you a question. Could you be wrong about everything you think you know? Or do you have all knowledge? Of course, no self-respecting human being is going to say they have all knowledge, right? Not anyone who's sincerely talking to you is worth their salt, at least in that moment. Okay, so if you don't have all knowledge, could you be wrong concerning God's existence? And most of them will say, yeah, I guess I could. Well, then you're not atheist, you're agnostic. There goes your atheism right out the window. Well, how? See, this is what I mean. You don't allow them to put you in a defensive posture. You remain offensive. Not being offended by everything they say, but making sure that they know where you stand and where they stand. And we can do this, once again, through discernment. And once again, the study of apologetics, right? Apologia, First Peter 3, making sure we have a reason <clears throat> at all times to be able to answer for the faith and the hope that we have. And we can do that through the grace and mercy and favor of God, and most importantly, through the reliance on the Word of God. And so that's what we want to do, folks. Want to be in the Word of God is what it all comes down to in prayer. And the Lord will give you discernment as He sees fit. So just make sure you have that. And God will bless it. Anyway, I got to go. But I love you guys. And I thank you for uh, coming to listen to this podcast once again. May the Lord bless you, keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may he use you mightily in these last days. Because it's getting worse and worse out there. So discernment is absolutely what we need, folks. It is not optional. So <clears throat> I pray that you take this admonition to heart. And that the Lord blesses you and pours out his Holy Spirit upon you and uses you mightily. And so uh, God bless you guys. I love you. And uh, thank you for listening to For His Namesake. Until next time, I'll see you here, there, or in the air. Maranatha.